You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. speaker with us this morning, a special guest. Uh, her name is Dr. Shelley Hogan. And uh, Dr. Hogan and her, her husband, Avno, are, are um, longtime Samuel residents. They grew up in Samuel. They graduated from there. And, and God just has given them a platform. Uh, they they entered adventure ministry uh, at the Assembly of God Church there in Samuel. And then God ventured them out to the valley, and they had a church in the Phoenix area where they ministered for years. In, during that time, Shelley did her graduate work. She got her master's and then her, 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 her uh, doctorate in ministry. And, and now God has just opened up a door for her to go international, and she's uh, the um, uh, curriculum director. She does all the curriculum and all the writing of, of what they're going to be doing for Teen Challenge International. And so God has just really, really blessed their, their ministry. And she's been such a blessing to, to us, Living Word Chapel. Uh, she stops periodically and brings me a bunch of leadership books. She said, Pastor, I was thinking about you. She gives me the books. And I'm like, yes. Um, and, and so Avno and Shelly are a true blessing to us. And she brought a message, first service, that rocked the house. And uh, I, like, like I said to you, I know why God connected us together, Avno, Shelley. I, I know that there's a, a partnership that's going to impact a lot of lives for the glory of God. And you're going to hear it right now, exactly why this is happening. So, so get ready, uh, sit back, relax, and, and give Shelley, Dr. Shelley Hogan a big, big Living Word Chapel hand right now. Avno, go ahead and come up, buddy. I was just thinking, since I'm no longer pastoring, I'm gonna, I miss Pastor Appreciation Month. So they did, it does bless your pastors when they hear, uh, especially if their shape has words of affirmation as their yeah. <laughs> love language. So uh, I'm Dr. Shelley Hogan. This is my husband, Avna. We grew up in, um, I moved to, to Samoa when I was seven. He was born in the local hospital and has been here forever. He's not a, he's a quiet guy, which gives me lots of room to talk, but I don't, he can say hi. I'm in the back, always. I'm the support, the pusher. <laughs> the pusher. Interesting, because I'm going into helping people get off drugs, and he's my pusher. <laughs> but he, I want you to see his handsome face. I am thankful for him, and he is the pusher. I will come to him and say, I feel like God wants to do this, and next thing you know, I'm moving to a different town. I feel like God wants me to go back to school. Next thing you know, I'm getting a doctorate. I feel like God wants us to go into the mission field. He, he didn't push super fast that time. He had to stop back. <laughs> he goes, let's, let's pray. <laughs> so we did. Our global um, but I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you uh, from uh, our global mission in the Word of God today. And uh, many of you, we were your change for change people, and uh, I want you to know that your change is making a change. 
and uh, we'll talk a little bit about it today. But first, I want to show you a story. That was an appointed time, and we are, we are praying uh, that we are able to go back in the next year or so. In late August, we met with representatives from the eight regions of the world to discuss the pressing needs and the best ways that we could effectively help them to facilitate healing and transformation in their, li- in their, in their regions, and they are excited about what God is going to do, and we feel the urgency to get on the field as soon as we can because the need is great and the doors are open. In Russia, we don't know how long the doors will be open. In other closed countries, Cuba, we don't know how long the doors will be open. So we go when we can, and it's important to, to not waste time in this, but to get there and to minister to them. Your partnership, your prayers, and your giving are helping to make that happen. We have a team in Jamaica right now who are ministering, so please pray for them. They have a six-day missions trip there. You can go too. We, wherever we have a Teen Town Center, we can take teams to minister construction, all and teaching, prayer ministry, street evangelism. Uh, we have opportunities all over the world. They're vast. And as David said, for those of you who don't go, in 1 Samuel 30, 24, For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall the share be who stays by the baggage. When you pray and when you send, you you share in the ministry of deliverance and healing. Whatever whatever they do on the mission field, whatever I do on the mission field has been counted to you. So you guys went to Russia too and ministered in Siberia and blessed those. But I want to talk a little bit to you from the book of Luke this morning. And Luke shares important aspects of mission in the 12th chapter with his recordings of the words of Christ. And Jesus, through parables and through passion, he exhorts us, especially in Luke, to have a right focus, a radical faith, and and to understand real riches, reminding us that eternal perspective is really the only perspective of lasting value. And so in the first part of chapter 12, Uh, Well, in all of chapter 12, Luke gives some great comparisons between the temporal and the eternal, and I want you to catch those as we go through it. See, Jesus is among thousands of people who are gathered to hear his teachings, and they want to receive blessings, and and they want to experience the supernatural manifestations of healing and deliverance, and they want tangible bread, and Jesus is trying to teach them about the eternal bread of life that he is. And he warns of the danger of hypocrisy in the church. And he promises that all things will be revealed. Our hearts will be revealed someday. Those things that are done in secret, good or bad, will be revealed in light. And with that, he reminds us not to be afraid of those who can kill body in the first part of chapter 12, temporal. But, those, but he who can send so to hell once the body has died, eternal. And see, we carry more concern oftentimes about the temporal than we do about the eternal. That's why scripture reminds us over and over and over again that we're going to live forever and we need to live as if we know we're going to live forever. He also promises that everyone who acknowledges him before men, temporal, he will acknowledge before God, eternal. And he tells the disciples not to worry about how to defend themselves with their own words, temporal, Because the Holy Spirit will give them words eternal. And then he shares a parable in chapter 12, verse 13. And he said, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, 
who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard. Covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will restore, I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. And there's an exclamation point there in scripture. This night, your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. See, with this teaching on right focus, Jesus had already been sharing with the crowd, temporal versus eternal. And you would think that they would be reflective and their questions to him would be something deep and spiritual, but they go straight to the temporal. Tell my brother to share my inheritance with him. And I can just imagine Jesus' words, man, who made me the judge and arbitrator over this? His frustration, I'm sharing with you the importance of eternal and you're worried about your stuff still. And then he goes into the parable and he warns us against covetousness, which is temporal. And his response is that one's life eternal does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, the rich man was looking at his crops, temporal, and he decided to plan his future on them. I need to tear down what I have. I need to build bigger barns. I need to store them up. And then I can say to my soul, soul, take it easy. We've got it good. And God says, fool, that's night. Your soul is required of you. And what about your things? So shall it be with the one who lays up treasure for himself and now is not rich towards God. Now notice God isn't saying that wealth is wrong. On the contrary, wealth is a great tool. I said it's expensive to go to Russia. It's a matter of focus. And if all we gather is to ourselves and for ourselves, we are fools. Rather, we gather and give extravagantly towards the things that matter to God, and things don't matter to God. People do. Jesus reminds us quite effectively that we are stewards, not owners. Everything, even our lives, is his, and he can take it back at any time he wants. And in the case of the parable, he said, I gave you that life. You're not doing good with it. I want it back. And back looks like we leave this life, and we face judgment on the other side. He wants, a, he wants a, he shows understand that we are stewards and not owners. He wants those who do, he, he, he shows us that those who perceive themselves as owners hold on to everything very tightly with clenched fists. You might know some people like that. They never want to give anything or, or of their time or anything. They, they believe their life is their own, but a steward has an open hand. Realizing that I don't hold anything like with our daughter, they belong to God. So, Owners clinch in fear of losing things. Stewards open in fear of missing God. We don't want to miss God because we're holding on to our stuff. Our focus must be longer than the temporal. It must be on the internal. And this right focus will require radical faith. Faith. In verse 22, he says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, 
Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, made like one toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. See, Jesus points out that the anxious ones worry about the things of this life, what we will eat and what we will wear, all temporal. And it is the faithful ones who trust that God knows our needs and supplies it. Jesus reminds us that our life is more than food. We need to have a deeper desire than just our bellies or what we can get or what we have. We need to go beyond that. And our body is more than clothing. It isn't about the external. God cares much more about our interior life, our hearts, our motives, our faith. And he reminds us we really live out of that place, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus reveals to us that worry over what we have is useless and produces no real solution. Isn't it interesting? He says, who by worrying can add one more minute to their simple? And, and then he says something uh, very thought-provoking to me. If you can't do something as simple as that, adding another minute to your life, why are you, I didn't know that was simple, why are you worried about these other things? He goes as far as to call it little faith and worldly thinking. And then he reminds us, you and I, that we as followers of Christ belong to a kingdom not of this world. And so we don't need to be like the world. You know, there's a saying, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I don't think that that is possible. I know that it's not possible to do. But we can be so earthly minded we are no heavenly good. In fact, Jesus tells us that if we focus on his kingdom first and foremost, everything else gets taken care of. He says the nations of the world who don't know him are trying to chase after these things, but you and I, we belong to another kingdom. And as, particip- uh, as members of that kingdom, we need to be looking towards him. And it absolutely takes radical faith to take our eyes off the temporal, what we have, what we wear, what we eat, what we want, to gain the eternal kingdom. And why gain the kingdom? Because that's where the riches are. My husband and I, we said yes over a year ago, and we're still here. In January, we resigned our church, and then I cried for him. God had asked, because it was one of the hardest things to do. They were family, much as we all become. But God had asked us to say yes to something bigger. And last month, we sold our home. And as we sold our home, I was reading through scriptures And we had lived there 13 years. Our kids had all graduated high school, and they were having a hard time with saying goodbye to the house, even though they didn't live with us. It was their childhood home. And I finished the scriptures, and I 
or I finished on the home, and I was reading one day, and I came to the scripture, and it's in Matthew, and it's also in Mark or Luke, and it says, um, no one who hasn't given up house, and I stopped right there. Jesus reminds us everything we give for this kingdom, he promises we get back in this kingdom and the kingdom to come. And so I said, all right, Lord, it was yours anyways. I'm not going to hold it with a clenched fist because it doesn't belong to me. And I can tell you, when he asked us to give up the home here that I gave birth to the babies in and to move away from my mother and father and all of our family and to step out into pastoring in another city, he blessed us beyond measure with people and with things and with opportunity. And so I know this about the Lord. He is good and he works everything to the good, even if it doesn't look good. (laughs) And so we are trusting him in that. And I want you to hold on to that as well. We have to have time that right focus. It has to be on the kingdom. We have to have radical faith. There's been no time that I can outfaith God when we, when we trust him and when we go forward, he is faithful to, to supply. And when we exercise that muscle of faith, and this is the only way the muscle of faith grows, it's by exercise. And so as we begin to believe God for the little things and we step out of that, then it's amazing how much more God does. And when we're looking for God, we see God in everything. And my husband and I are on that journey now. We look around us and in the temporal We should be a little concerned. We have to raise funds. We have to get to Georgia. We have to leave our family. But in in our hearts, we're at such great peace because we know that God is in it. Most of us spend our lives worrying, and we never get that place of supernatural rest where God calls us to be. And it's in that place of rest that we really find real riches, and we can go forward in bold faith. Because Right focus and radical faith will produce real fortune. And in verse uh, 32 through 34, it says this, Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is the king. See, the great news is that our Heavenly Father takes good pleasure in giving us the kingdom. We must be seekers. He rewards those who seek because he isn't hiding things from us. He's hiding things for us. Think about when your children were little and you have an Easter egg hunt. You didn't hide the eggs from them. You hide the eggs for them. And when we get Christmas presents, we wrap them up not because we're hiding them from them. We're hiding them for them. But they've got to seek after them and discover, and you and I do as well. Our Father is hiding for us. In in this season of our life, and I've heard that message multiple times, I look at the Lord and I say, what are you hiding for us now? Because we are seeking you and running after you, and we don't know what's on the other side. But we know it must be good because you hide for us. You don't hide from us. And there's a reward in running after and discovering God's heart. And it's what he calls every single believer to do. Remember Hebrews, he says that the Lord rewards those who diligently seek him. So the reward is for the diligent and intentional, not the lazy and doubtful. We've got to go after him. And what is his heart? It's not a what, it's a who. Those in need. Jesus tells us in this scripture right here to sell our possessions and give to the poor. 
Mind you, everything, uh, like he told a rich young ruler who had an idol of things, he told him to sell everything and follow him. No, here Jesus doesn't say sell everything. He says sell something and give to the poor. Have you ever sold something for the sole purpose of blessing someone in need? What if your neighbor came to you and said, I don't have a car, and so you sell your car or give your car to him? Well, I heard this message, and I was driving in my car one day, and I just started to weep because I've given a lot out of my abundance, but I've never sold something to give to someone else. Most of us do that. Most of us give out of our abundance. We, but he calls us to give out of abandon. To give what is ours, to give it up, to let it go so that the needs of others can be met. Can you imagine what it would be like sitting around the table with your children and saying, remember when we sold our car and gave to Global Teen Challenge and they opened a center for addicts in Siberia and now people are being set free? Remember when we sold that furniture and we gave it to Africa so that they could build wells and now there's a village drinking clean water because of us? That's what he invites us to do. That's rich. And Jesus says that this is real fortune. And I like the way the NIV says it. When you sell to give the needy, you provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail and where no thief comes near and where no mouth destroys. As ladies can understand that, we usually have more than one purse. And I wonder, how many purses do you have for yourself in heaven? Everything here wears out, nothing there does. Everything here fades away, everything there is brighter. Giving it for the kingdom is sure gain, and it reveals the true state of our heart because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. It would be easier for us to understand where our heart is, there our treasure is. Because we think, well, my heart is full of things, and that's my treasure. And Jesus says, no, where you treasure, where you place your money, where you place your time, where you place your abilities, that really is what you value. We could, I heard a preacher say before, I could tell what's important to you by one glance at your bank statement. Because we give to what matters to us. And God tells us to give to the kingdom. Build storehouses in heaven. Do we, do we have a passion for the kingdom or are we in pursuit of possessions? Life is Jim Elliot about what we can gain in this life is what we can give to the next life. And Jim Elliott said it this way, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Nothing is lost when it is given towards the kingdom. No words, no prayers, no moments are lost. Russia was hard. It was 19 days of constant movement and jet lag because it's 14 hours difference, 15 hours difference, and it's a day plane ride to get there and a day plane ride to get home. It was a week and a half of recovery from getting back into Arizona timeline. And it was hard. But in our hearts, we know that the kingdom was advanced. Hearts were changed, lives were changed, and that will last forever. In our packing, my husband and I had boxes that were going to our daughters and boxes that were going to storage. And this is a funny thing, but we, we don't have any shoes 
they're, they're all in storage and we can't find them. And so every time we have to go somewhere, we have to go, do we have shoes for that? And so, you know, those shoes are lost, so what? I mean, they'll find them when we dig through storage and move somewhere, but it doesn't matter. I say that to say how funny we can be about focusing on the right clothing when God tells us the right clothing. Be clothed with humility, love. Be clothed with righteousness. Be clothed with kindness and love. Be dressed for every situation. Right focus, the kingdom, radical faith, sacrifice assures real fortune, the kingdom. And if the musicians will come up, for us to gain that, we have to be ready to fight. Jesus gives another, another parable in verses 35 through 48. He says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are the servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. And truly I say, he will dress him for service and he, he will dress himself for service. Have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. And if he comes in the second watch or the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants, exclamation point. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And he goes on to share more about that. And then he, he ends that portion of scripture with this in verse for him, 48. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And for him who they have entrusted much, they will demand much. Now Jesus says that we need to be doing because we don't know when he's coming back. We know that he is coming back. And even if he doesn't come back in your lifetime, he's coming back in your lifetime because when you and I die, we go to him. And then he will look at everything that we have done. And Jesus warns, you want me to see you doing. Because faith, which really is multiplication, is something he is looking for on the earth. And so this is not the season to sit back and relax. My husband and I are in our 50s. Most people are gearing up for retirement. We, 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 we believe that we are entering the most fruitful season of our life. And we have been given much. We've been given opportunity to study and to gain education and to minister and to have divine appointments with people from all over the world. And we don't want to waste one minute of it because it's not about our life here. It's about our life there. That life is going to lie forever. This life is vapor. Even no matter how you could be 15 and think you're going to live forever, you don't know. Well, I know you are going to live forever but only for a little while here. But what we do here matters forever. Purses in heaven. Send it. We, it's the greatest uh, savings plan. Send it up. God will watch over it good and bring it to us or bring us to it at the appointed time. So we've been given much. And even if you think you don't have much, we're the 2% of the world has, who has more than the 98%. We have clean water. Most of us have more than one television, more than one car, more than one Bible. We have, my husband and I, as we were coming here this morning, we said we haven't faced a lot of the trials of the people that we're ministering to. 
But then in most of the trials we've had, we've put on ourselves. They haven't been the choices of other people. But God is so good, and he transcends so much of the natural with the supernatural that we are grateful that we get to go, and we get to minister, and we get to pour life into those who feel like life has been ripped out of them. And we're not the only ones. Look around, look in the mirror. We each have the gift that God has given us to give to others. And I want to share with you another story. One, I got my first bloody nose and teeth in my head. Between the sun in my eyes and the cup between my legs, I could not focus on the ball above my head. Two, I learned two things that day. Faces do not catch balls like gloves do, and the medical term for a bloody nose is epistaxis. Three, 370 million people struggle with addiction worldwide. The population of New York City is 8 million. That's 45 big apples locked in 45 tiny boxes. 45 apples hanging on 45 toxic trees. 45 highs stealing 45 dreams. 45 apples selling their leaves. No Shell Silverstein. No giving tree. Only taking tree. Only take, take, taking tree. Only give me your time tree. Only time is money tree, so give me your money tree. Only money doesn't grow on trees, so give me your life tree. So drugs over this month's wrench tree, over next month's wrench tree, over no more money, no more rent tree. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, so found daddy's drugs tree. Not daddy's drugs, but my drugs tree, so tomorrow's addict's tree. 370 million people dying tree four. The addicts of new are the lepers of old, and the love know what to do with them. We don't know where to put them. We don't know how to love them, so we run from them. If you call someone a criminal long enough, they might as well just steal something. Call someone lost long enough, and they'll assume you stop looking. Five, the medical term for a bloody nose is epistaxis, and I got my first one in T-ball six. Darren's nose bled so much after snorting his last stash of cocaine that he had to switch nostrils until finally passing out. Seven people have died from addiction since I began this poem. Eight, every year since 2015, the number of deaths due to overdose have surpassed that in car wrecks. Nine, people in Africa are getting addicted to huffing glue so to mask the pain of starving. Ten, there is no medical term for hopelessness. There is no diagnosis for losing yourself. There are no medications for feeling forgotten. Eleven, there is only you. There is only us. Only we can put hope within reach. That's Cody. He's a Teen Challenge graduate. Seven people die every minute. Every 23 minutes, a baby is born addicted to opioids. In India, young girls are sold as six year olds. Their parents think of them going to a better life, but actually, it's human trafficking as young as six years old. In Africa, they huff and do other drugs to mask the pain of hurt. In 
Thailand in the Asian districts. They're in prostitution and in drug addiction because of the prostitution. And the brokenness is massive. And it grows every day. But God is bigger. And he is the giver of hope. So Abna and I are willing to sell everything and go into the field to train the leaders, to minister to the people so that their life can be snatched back from the pits of hell and restored to them and they can go out and make a difference in the life of someone else. Because, you know, there's something amazing about recognizing how much God has saved you from because he has saved you for so much more that you want others to know about it. You and I, even our little, is much to a world that is lost and broken. And God calls us to be those who are willing to live with radical faith, to give our life for something. Matter of fact, Jesus tells us the strange mathematic equation in losing we gain, in giving we have, in forsaking we're free. And so what about you this morning? Maybe some of you realize that you haven't had the right focus and you need to turn your attention back to the kingdom, the forever. Maybe you haven't tested the faith muscle and your faith isn't radical, it might be weak. And it needs to be radical for the kingdom because we serve a radical God. The cross was radical. Maybe... Your focus is not on real riches. You consider possessions temporal instead of the eternal kingdom riches and you need to have a shift in your heart because where your treasure is, there your heart is. Or maybe you need to be ready to fight again, ready to be ready for whatever he asks and wherever he sends you and whenever he comes. And so if the prayer ministers could come up and how many of you can say, yeah, there's one of those things that's hitting on my heart and I need, I need someone to agree with me. James tells us that when we confess our sins, our struggles to one another, we are full healing. We think of that as eternal uh, physical healing, but that's really soul healing. And when we go to safe places like these ministers are and we say, you know what, I need to, I need to have a shift in my faith. When you speak those words out, there's a healing that begins to take place. I preached messages, I prophesied into our future from the pulpit, sell everything, go into the mission field. Those words became tangible life to us now. And I wanna invite you to do the same. Speak into that need for right focus, for radical faith, no real riches. And Share it with someone who can hear and who can agree with you. Let it become crystallized in your life and then walk it out to the praise of his glory. Amen. I, I, I just, uh, I really sense the Lord calling us to a radical obedience. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to set something up right here that, that's going to help you to that place that God is calling you to. God is calling you out of the seat 
Nothing ever gets accomplished except the, the moving, the, the turning of our soul to go and do something. There's someone here today that God's going to break your addiction. God's going to break a stronghold. It's not us, it's him, it's Jesus. But there's also some people in here that God is calling you. He's called you to this place today so that he could use a messenger to speak into your life because there's people that need Christ and the healing of Christ, and it's real. The power of God is real. And so what I want to do, this is kind of crazy, is I want to, I want to orchestrate stations. I want some stations set up, and I want elders and their wives to be set up in stations because God's going to come to you. God's coming to you. Not only just come up here with the prayer counselors, I'm going to use you too, but I want the elders and the wives. You know, the, 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 the word says that if anyone is sick among you, call on the elder, call on the elder and, the, and their wives to come and, and pray so that you can be healed. That's biblical. And God does things biblically. And so some of you, you're, you've been in your seat, and, and, some, and there's someone in here that you've kind of been one, wondering and waiting for God to, to show up in your life, and God's been knocking at the door, but today he's really, he's kind of saying, open the door. I want to come in. I want to do things in your life that only I can do. I want to change you like only I can change you. I want, I want to bring things into your life. I want to orchestrate them in a very, very, very profound way that you're going to know it's only me. And so this is what I want us to do. I, I want for, uh, for Jeff... Mike, Mike, I want you to the back. Jeff, you're going to be in the center right there. Rick and Debbie Ann, I want you to be right there where you're at. Stand up. And I want Benny in the back over there. Right in the back corner, I want uh, Paul and Tammy in the middle. And I want Paul and Rosetta right there. And then I want for Avno and Shelly to come in the front. And you can go wherever the Lord sends you. Right there in the middle aisle. Uh, in the aisle. Right in the aisle, right there, right there. You don't have to go far is what I'm trying to tell you, and the Lord's going to stir your heart. And then the anointing of God is going to come upon the praise team, and they're going to play maybe even something you haven't even rehearsed. Let the Lord direct you. Something that's very, very, very special to God. And then I want for you to take this opportunity to get out of your seat if God's calling you and come up and let God speak into your life. I had someone come first service, this, this middle-aged lady that said, I don't have very much. It's, this, little, this lady, I could tell she was a little bit affluent. She said, I don't have very much faith. I don't have anything. Well, I said, you came up here today. Didn't you, you came up here this morning? She said, faith. I said, yes. I said, then you have, you have faith. You have this much faith. And God will meet your little faith with a lot of opportunities. He will meet your little step with a lot of healing. He will meet your little, your little, uh, your little unknowing with a lot of knowledge and a lot of, a lot of grace. And so we're going to spend some time in worship. Benny, come on up a little bit, brother. Benny, come on up a little bit. Don't go in the corner on me. Right there. Father, have your way right now, Lord God, in these next five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you take. And you go, as the Lord calls, I want everyone to stand right now because we're not going to do nothing in the seat. And as the Lord directs you, there's going to be prayer counselors right by you. You just may want to go over there and say, I'm taking a step of faith for whatever God has for me. And let God be God. He's going to mess up your religious choners right now. Let me just say that right now. He's going to wrinkle all of that. But that's a good thing. So 
So go ahead and play for us. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.